Call the spec sheet now at 573-837-4948. This is a very special edition of the spec sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this broadcast, each listener will receive a complimentary pre-owned 10 gigabyte IBM IDE hard drive. No need to call about the drive. We have your information. To speak with Curtis, call now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's the spec sheet. I don't know if I like seeing video of you on Skype while we're doing the show because it makes me laugh at your facial expressions <laughs> oh, while I'm dancing. <laughs> no, you just had this crap-eating grin as the uh, intro music was playing. I like it. <laughs> I can't help it. Anyway, this is the spec sheet with Curtis Thornton. I'm Michael Van Dieven. What's up, Curtis? Hey, nothing much over here other than uh, excited to talk about some news and information and also to keep this grin on my face. And it's been a while since we've done a show. A couple of things have changed. If you'd like to chat with us during the live show, uh, it's a little complicated, to be honest. <laughs> but <it's laughs> Isn't that a really great way to sell it? If you'd like <laughs> yes. to chat with the hosts, it's very complicated. <laughs> we have a high IQ requirement, so if you can't <laughs> perform the simple steps we're going to provide, then you don't get to speak with us. You don't deserve to play in our league if you can't maneuver the steps. Anyway, yes. what you need to do is go to Twitter. There's an application you need to install on your computer. Some of you may recall years ago, uh, there was an application called Streamer P2P that we used to use in order for you to be able to listen to the stream. Well, we still use that. Um, and it's got a really nice chat feature integrated right into it. And frankly, second only to like an actual IRC chat room, it's better than any other chat interface I've used recently in the course of trying to set one up for this show or the train wreck show so i would really like to use it so what you need to do is go to twitter.com slash the spec sheet and you'll see that curtis has posted a link there that you can click in order to install this application install the application wait about 60 seconds <laughs> and the stream will begin playing for you uh, <laughs> now it won't take that long to start playing after you use it the first time it's only on the first go through um, but you'll notice once the stream starts playing, there's a button you can click where it says DJ Chat. If you'll click that DJ Chat button, you'll find that you're able to chat with us in the chat room there. And uh, we'd be really happy to have you. So go to twitter.com slash the spec sheet. Click on the link to the application that Curtis has posted. Install it and uh, have fun with that. It also, will be good. if you'd like to call the show, the phone number is area code 573 573- Eight three seven forty nine forty eight. That's five seven three eight three seven forty nine forty eight. If you want to call the show, and uh, also I'd like to point out, and we haven't really done a good job of pointing this out. I should say I haven't. You can call that show that phone number during off hours and leave a voicemail, and we can play your voicemail at a later date on the show. Whether you want to complain about us and the fact that we interrupt your listening experience on the stream, or you want to talk about something that we've discussed on the show, or you want to com contribute a show idea, whatever, uh, just call that phone number. It's 573-837-4948. If you call it when we're live, you'll be put on the air. If you call it when we're not live, 
you can leave a voicemail, and we'll be happy to play it uh, so long as it's uh, wrought with negativity and uh, destruction and provides for a, uh, an entertaining listening experience. Although we do accept any kind of messages comparing us to the famous Art Bell or Rush Limbaugh, any kind of broadcaster. <clears throat> so um, let's see. You know, every time we go a while without doing a show, I think to myself, ah, yeah, I'm going to mention that next time we do a show. And then mm-hmm. the show time comes and I've got nothing. <laughs> you know, it, I just sort of <laughs> yeah. I, I completely forget what it was that I was going to talk about. You know what? I'm going to stop your video. I have to. It distracts me. I'm sorry. That's what I, would, I, I would too. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see me. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that it's you per se. It's just I don't know. Like if I'm if I'm not looking at you while I'm talking, I am thinking more about what I'm saying, and I'm thinking more about what you're saying. And it's kind of like I'm subjected to the same experience that the listening audience is subjected to, or uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Just keep your video closed, damn it. It's just that nice. I understand. So anyway, um, I'm looking at the stack of stories that you have contributed to the show this evening. And the first one now on your list... Everybody knows what it is. I do. Uh, <laughs> I, look, I look pretty and, and submit articles. This is how you feed your family. Yes. And uh, your first article here is FCC plan would allow 9-11 to accept texts, photographs, and videos. At first glance... Uh, without actually having read the story, just looking at the, looking at the headline, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, well, to me, it follows on the the theme that we had several episodes ago, uh, which I think was back in 2011 or 2010, uh, or, or actually just a couple months ago, where uh, the police were uh, they had devices now that when they pulled you over, that they could basically dump your phone. Uh, when I read this article, the first thing I think is. This is another way for the the uh, powers that be to collect and grab imp- information from me. I like the idea that nine one one systems have another way to get, in, or I have another way to get in touch with the nine one one in case of an emergency. But at the same time, think about what that means. That means they're changing uh, radio technologies that they'll be using in frequencies. They're now going to probably track the location that my cell phone is in. There, there's a lot of uh, nefarious and negative things. That, that connect to that too, that seems like you have this great headline of, hey, 911 is more uh, efficient now or will be. But think it's more accessible. Much, yeah. Yeah. Think about the freedoms you're giving up in that too. Hold on just a second. We got so few callers that when one calls, I just have to go right to him. We'll pick this up where we left off. Hi, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yeah, I was listening to Art Bell and uh, you guys interrupted. Yes. Don't, you're, don't you're really welcome. care what, what you have to say. Uh, well, you can go ahead and put that show back on the air. That'd be great. This is Art Bell. Um, from yes. the uh, Kingdom of Nye. Uh, so really, is that literally... in that program, but you had to interrupt it. Is that really all you called to say? But I've got a question. Uh, pretty much. I mean, you said negative stuff, so I'm, I'm pretty who, negative. Who is this Art Bell you're talking about? I, I mean, I've heard the name, but I'm not sure who he is. There's other this stuff on the stream when we're not on? Many years ago. Say that again? This Art Bell that has retired many years ago. Right. Uh, I'd like to hear him. Well, he's been streaming for a while now, and then you just decided to uh, have your little chat session. Okay, well, I'll, guess I'll what? Guess what? It. This is the who's responsible for the fact that you're even able to hear it at all on this stream. 
Well, what? You know, no, what? I appreciate that. No, apparently oh, you don't. Apparently you don't. You apparently you, know, you don't I, appreciate I, I, it at all. I, you, you know how long it's been I'm, since we've I'm poked a our we, truck driver. Yeah, you can go ahead and say that. What? What? Say that what again. I was in the process of speaking when you uh, blatantly interrupted me. Go ahead. So I didn't hear you. You can call me a scumbag truck driver. I'm, I'm okay with that. I've been I'm not going to call you a scumbag time. truck driver. Dude, I used to drive a truck, and my dad is a truck driver. So if you're going to go hanging that on your sleeve as some sort of defense mechanism, try again. I'm a scumbag. It's okay. You don't have to yell at me. Okay, is that all you called for? All right, well, that's great. Thanks for wasting five minutes of showtime. Anyway, Curtis, what were we talking about? I don't know. I, I think that was actually the uh, leader of your fan club, but what do I know? Whatever. Anyway, yeah. well, what's the 615 area code? Where is that? You know, I'm not sure. I thought about looking that up, but I, I guess it was probably uh, <laughs> a friend or a somebody. I, I was waiting for the punchline. Anyway... Uh, that guy, I yeah. want you to understand something. It's been, what, two months since we've popped in here and done a show? Mm-hmm. And if we were even doing shows on a regular basis, it would be something on the order of, what, once a week for two hours? Yeah. You can't go that long without listening to Art Bell on this stream? And again, by the way, when you start paying the costs of the streaming or paying the costs of buying another server or paying for the electricity that's responsible for powering the server or spending your entire weekend rebuilding the server so that idiots like you can listen to Art Bell rather than going out and having fun with my friends or doing other things because I want to provide that service for idiots like you, uh, then you can complain about the fact that we're doing our pathetic little show for two hours once every five years. Thank you. Good God, what's wrong <laughs> yeah, with people? Uh, we had a comment. Oh, here the, uh, the, Do you the, even the understand room. the things they talk about on the Art Bell show? <laughs> that was actually kind of fun. Uh, especially, you got your blood pressure raised, which usually means it's going to be a good episode. So he actually did, did us a favor. Well, uh, I'm not going to take any more nicotine gum either for the duration of the show. That'll help as well. I decided some time ago that it would actually make for a better show if I avoided any nicotine intake whatsoever uh, for a period of approximately two hours prior to the uh, start of the show. And um, I didn't hold to that this time. Around. I, I was really holding back profanity there. And that is the first time anyone has ever called in during a live show and lit li- like legitimately been upset that Art Bell was not being broadcast. That's the yeah. first time I've been doing live shows on this stream since 2006. And that's the first time anybody's done that. So dude, if you don't feel like a real jism satchel now, I don't know what would make you feel like one. Yeah. Especially when you said call in and let us know, you know, in the, the opening show comments that he referenced, uh, you said to call them when we weren't recording and leave your message of whatever you want to. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to You don't have to stall the uh, flow of our show. You don't have to call up and be a total buzzkill about it. If you got a problem with the fact that we're doing the show, call in after hours and leave a voicemail. We'll be happy to play it for you and address it at that time. But you don't necessarily have to call up and be a total cock block and piss and moan about the fact that, look, here, Art Bell, I'm driving down the road, I'm a truck driver, that means you hate me, doesn't it? Every time I find myself in a confrontational situation, I start talking about how I'm a truck driver, because that means I can use class envy as a mechanism by which to defend myself, because you're, you're the fancy radio boy, and I'm just a lowly truck driver out here on the road.
Well, I, I loved the moment that he said that because I knew you were going to tee him up right then. God damn it. I hate people. <laughs> Not just specific types of people. I hate people. They're people bottom suckers. They just want and they want and they want. And it's never enough. And if the stream is down for three minutes, I've got 10 gazillion emails in my inbox. Hey, where's the stream? I can hear the stream. Well, okay, one note will suffice. I can understand somebody giving me a heads up that the stream is down. But did you ever one time consider the fact that the stream is entitled CoastGab.com? And did that not, by use of logic, cause you to think for a moment that perhaps if you were to go to CoastGab.com, there could potentially be an announcement on that website. After all, CoastGab.com, the .com at the end denotes the fact that that is a domain name. That is a website. website. It's a URL. You can actually type that into your browser. Now, this is a tech show, so this is the part where the tech comes in. You can type that into your web browser. It'll take you to a website, which happens again to correspond with the name of the stream. And when you get there, you might find an announcement with regard to what has happened to the stream. Oh, my God. What kind of system is this? How did that happen? How could it possibly be that on a website called CoastGab.com, there would be an announcement with regard to what happened to a stream entitled CoastGab.com? But no, yeah, nobody checks that. sometimes has issues. Nobody bothers to check that. Nobody. I'll, I'll, yeah. The stream could be down for 10 seconds. I will immediately go up there and post a message saying, hey, the stream's down. Here's why. And sure enough, like, 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 uh, like like rivers in the yard behind your house during a flash flood. The the emails and the messages just start rolling in. Yeah. Even on the website. I don't know. I just, I, I hate people. Yeah. Well, really quick, uh, Eric in the chat room, I don't know if you saw his message about it sounds like the, that your mic keeps, that we keep distorting. He asked if your mic is. Yeah, that's because I was screaming and, and I didn't this was turn my. that. Was it? Yeah, th- this was. Right when you two started talking, I kind of let you both roll with it, but rather than say anything, but hmm. he popped in and said that. Well, I don't it, know. I don't know, Eric, if you're still looks like you're still there. Uh, let us know if it's still having that issue or maybe it was related to the I, I didn't think about the fact that he has a little bit of delay. So it might have been during. Uh, during that yeah, who knows? I, our happy listeners. I've just turned the levels down on the stream. Uh, so hopefully that'll that'll fix the problem. Is it possible just for the IP address of the guy who called in, you could turn it up just a little bit? I really want to give his phone number out and just let people call him and harass him. Yeah, no, him. don't do that. Just call him up and harass him as he's driving through a way station with his 30,000-pound load of bounty. Yeah. Faggot. Well, he, he might be on the ice road, man. He's an ice road trucker. Road. We're the real deal, man. Yeah. You other truckers ain't shit. We're the real deal. We're the ice road truckers. Anyone who listens to the stream on a regular basis... Uh, when it first came back up after the issues it, it had had, when, it, when Michael put, like you said, a bunch of his time and effort into it to, to get it back up and running, and we had just a impromptu uh, conversation and, and call with uh, fellow listeners, and wasn't it amazing the, the wide range of people and jobs and uh, happy people we had there, just a great range of people that were just thankful and uh, just a, an amazing bookend uh, to all the hard work you had done, then yeah, you get this guy who who he's just okay. a taker. He's a consumer. He just consumes. He just takes. He's probably not even he's not even thankful for the fact that someone has put this into place for him. He just listens to it, and when it's gone like an animal, he just gets upset. I want my art bill. 
I want my heart bell, do you? I think he should call back in and, and let us know exactly how he feels about the whole thing. But God damn. Before we should have, anyone out there who's listening, uh, if you'll give the phone number again, Michael, uh, we, we need to get some more callers in here rather than go into planned conversations. <laughs> what do you guys think about the call we just had? And the, well, the sort of I, on the stream. what I'm afraid of is people are going to call in and start saying, oh, Michael, it's great that you do this and thank you. And I don't want that. Well, no, I know. I know you don't want to sit here and have uh, all of us falling at our knees for you. But at the same time, I I'm, just I'm don't want a- some to call up and, and, and give me problems because God forbid for 10 minutes I should choose to do something with the stream, my stream. Mm-hmm. I mean, just God forbid the band I should do that. Fun. God forbid. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean... That's all I ask. If you don't like it, go listen to something else. There's another Art Bell stream. Did you know that? Oh, wait, you don't know how to use your smartphone and actually look for other streams then, do you? Yeah, yeah the one that was pr- uh, promoted the, the best as far as SEO is the first one they went to. Actually, yes. Again, a credit and a tribute to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, let's start over here again. The FCC plan that would allow 911 texts and photographs and videos. Um, And you just a moment ago gave your impressions of this. And my thing is, like right now, if you call 911 and it's not an emergency, Mm. you're going to be in trouble if you're playing around with it. Whereas with this system, people will just take pictures of you doing anything and send it off to the government. Send it off to the police. Well, I yeah. mean, it could be a picture of anything, and it's not even an emergency. But since it's not an actual phone call, it wouldn't be governed by the laws that require all nine one one phone calls oh, to be uh, emergencies. So they could just send anything and everything about you pertaining to you, whatever they wanted. Just snap a picture, send it off to nine one one. It's just like a. It's like the government's just providing the public a direct line to snitch on one another. Oh well. Uh, I was reading through the uh, the FCC's uh, documentation about this, their, their action plan, I guess. Uh, and one of the steps on it is to develop that this is called the uh, the NG911 uh, system or next generation 911. Uh, in their five-step action plan to deploy this, step number four in it says develop a NG911 governance framework because no – and this is the text of it. That's the, the header – because no single governing entity has jurisdiction over NG911, the FCC will work with state 911 authorities, other federal agencies, and other governing entities to provide technical expertise to develop or and develop a coordinated approach to NG911 governance. Which means what they're saying there is right now, if they were to implement this, no one would have jurisdiction. So the FCC is going to develop an overarching uh, group that will be able to govern what happens on this. So when someone sends that text message or that picture, uh, th- there'll be a new government organization, which of course we need more of those right now with the down economy uh, and uh, deficits, uh, another organization to monitor what we're using and doing. And it won't be, I, I again say, there's no way it's going to be required that what you send in be emergency related. Because no, in the form... Well, in the form of a text, how – I mean, like if I text a picture of something to 911, how does that get gauged for its emergency value or lack well, thereof? I well, mean, I think it's a the picture. problem is everything that comes in is going to have to be treated with the urgency that it is an emergency. So they're going to have to marshal all the resources just like it was 
someone who calls in says help uh, and hangs up on their home phone, well, they're going to dispatch police. They're, they're going to call back the number, dispatch police. They're going to exert effort and resources to try to resolve what that hang up was. Well, with that text message, you're going to do the same thing, but it's going to be harder. They're going to guaranteed they're going to be able to, to monitor your location. So they're going to know where you were when you took that picture and where you've moved to. They're going to have to dispatch people to go find you or resources to find you, confirm what your situation is, and then see that, oh, hey, no, it was just a mistake or it was just some kids goofing off. Yeah, but I mean, find you. I mean, yeah, I understand the infrastructure is in place already when you take a picture for someone to determine through the metadata that's embedded in that picture where you were when you took it, what time it was, what kind of phone you were using, probably what your phone number was. Um, maybe, I don't know about that part, but I mean, let's say they have to track you into a mall or something and you're surrounded by 500 people, all of whom have phones with similar capabilities. I mean, what do they do? (laughs) I don't know. This just seems like a silly idea. I don't know of anyone who's been walking around saying, if only I could text stuff to 911. (laughs) Right. This is another case uh, on the innocent level. This is a case of technology running amok in a way it doesn't, it's trying to solve a, a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, and then on the, the the really nefarious end of it, this is the government finding one more way to wrap some really negative stuff into a really positive-looking shell. And, and that's what I think it is. It, it, this is another way that they're going to be able to get your picture, uh, catalog it, control it, and know where you are. I mean, they already can, can monitor your location using cell towers and the technology like we've talked about before with tracking uh, what's going on on your phone. Yeah, but by sending them a picture, you would essentially be giving them permission to track you for an unspecified amount of time. Right. Whereas previously you were just, you know, one, you know, one, uh, one drone among millions. Now you've stood out and they're looking at you. Yeah. Listen to this little, uh, nugget from the action plan too. Uh, again, this is from the FCC chairman, uh, he says, we need a comprehensive, multi-pronged approach to NG-911 implementation. If we do nothing to address NG-911 requirements, timelines, costs, and governance, we will see uncoordinated patchwork deployment of NG-911 over the next five to ten years, leaving the U.S. leaving much of the U.S. without any NG-911 capability because we're failing right now without it. I mean, it's just... That the last part obviously was editorial on my part, but this seems like the result of what happens when you have people who are paid in government jobs. Probably, I don't know. Maybe they're members of unions or not. I don't know. But these people that work for the government and they just have to continually justify their position. Yeah, well, and, uh, and another this thing is the result it. of that. Just this, this, you know, brainstorm think. Yeah, well, another part of it is it's going to be a, a chance for the government to initiate initiate a, a better infrastructure of broadband connections throughout the country, which I like the idea of of having a much stronger network like Europe and uh, China is, is building. Uh, you mean wireless Europe. broadband, right? Why, yeah, right. Yeah, the, making it much uh, making it more available for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> this is a, a great way to attach doing that, but. The, the, again, the downside is the fact that it's not going to be an open network, and it's just a matter of time until net neutrality is gone because the government's controlling it. I'm not so hot on the future of wireless broadband anyway. I feel like the future yeah. is bleak. I, I just feel like it has it has, it has sold 
it has sold itself to the American people in such a way as to position the product of so, uh, as something that's far more valuable than it really is. They have sold wireless as some sort of a product that has this intrinsic value that makes it so much more expensive than than standard uh, hardwire broadband. And I'm just tired of that. And it's only getting worse now with companies like Verizon implementing these new tiered packages. And it's yeah, it's, well, it's just I mean, th- technology is supposed to get cheaper. Yeah, T-Mobile just announced that uh, you know that they're one of the that Sprint and T-Mobile are, are the only two places you can go to get an unlimited account right now. T-Mobile just announced either yesterday or today that their bottom tier plan, which is a 200 megabit a month connection, uh, before they were throttling it and, and discounting heavily if you went over your your 200 megabits. Well, now they're going to keep the price the same but raise the cost of going over and uh, – take out the throttling they had before so now if you if you don't have an unlimited account uh, because of the the amount of people still who are using their 200 megabit plans they're basically making it more expensive so so you'll have uh, a four thousand dollar bill but hey at least the the traffic was fast yeah well they're going to cap the the bill at thirty dollars they say oh really yeah so once you get to there then you're 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 throttled to the point you can't do it do anything with it but up until recently if you had a 200 megabit account you still could get, I mean, you still almost had unlimited access to the internet. It was just a lot slower than somebody on an unlimited plan. But so, so what I'm getting at here is that T-Mobile, who is supposed to be a proponent of cheap available access to internet and one of the only uh, people to, to implement the 4G network or LTE, uh, uh, WiMAX and all that, you know, they're supposed to be on the forefront of this. And they're saying that the demand on their, their cheap accounts is too much for their network to handle. So they're making it more cost prohibitive to use it more. So if they're doing that, they just like you were saying, it's not going to turn out to be that great of a deal because the costs are going to continue to skyrocket. I'm just not. I mean, great. I hope this 911 system shows them where to put towers and gets the government involved in the future development of wireless. But really, who cares? I'm just. I'm to the point now where I I sort of feel like getting rid of my smartphone altogether and just going with uh, straight talk. One of just these, get a one of these phone? yeah, just getting one of these thirty dollar Walmart phones. As long as I can make phone calls and I can text, I'll be able to do pretty much everything I want to do because a lot of the Google services that I use, I can access through text, through SMS. I can mm-hmm. uh, do my Google Calendar stuff through SMS. I can add events to the calendar. I can remove events from the calendar. I can see what's on the calendar. I can get weather reports. I can do just a ton of stuff through SMS. The only thing I can't really do on a feature phone is check my Gmail, which really the whole premise behind email is it's not instant, you know, uh, communication right. anyway. So who cares about that? Surely I'll be in front of a computer soon enough and, and 30 bucks a month for a thousand minutes and a thousand texts and your life is simple. Well, what do you think about re- replacing your smartphone with a tablet? And, and so then you have your feature phone for daily communication, but then a tablet for whenever you do want to get access to the internet quickly. Where am I going to get the data from though? Well, yeah, okay. Uh, well, then your phone needs to be hotspot still for that internet. But well, good luck on straight talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I mean, so, have you so, seen how crappy their phones are? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's a joke. And I sent them an email uh, maybe a month or two ago, probably two months ago. And I said, hey, what gives? When are you guys going to have any Android phones? And I got some milk toast. Uh, uh, by the way, your phone is doing the cancer sound right now. Is it? Uh, okay. 
Yeah, I got back the uh, milk toast form letter. Oh, we are constantly developing our line of phones, and as the future progresses, stay tuned for further developments. And la di 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 da. Thank you for asking for this non-answer. And uh, give us more money. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, so who knows? I mean, it would be great yeah. if Straight Talk started getting some Android phones and they had unlocked bootloaders and you can do yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. But I just don't think that's going to happen. If Straight Talk ever did get any uh, Android phones, certainly they're going to be locked down and you're not going to be able to do very much with them, I would oh, yeah. imagine. But at the same time, who knows? I mean, Android is so hackable that uh, yeah. I don't if really know there's do. any way to prevent anything, to be honest. Right. Well, Maybe that's why they don't have the Android phones. Yeah, I was going to say the uh, the technology, the uh, support infrastructure to deal with that probably is a, a worry of theirs too, because it would seem cost prohibitive to uh, have to support Android devices or Apple devices, uh, and then have to support the end user trying to do all these other things besides using just their phone. Somebody has to take those support calls, those emails, and th- they don't want to do that for the low cost of a pay-as-you-go plan. Um. I think we should take a break. Do you think I should leave that, like in the downloaded podcast, do you think I should leave that call in uh, at the beginning of the show? Or you think I, I should mean, it, it totally out? messes up the It the totally flow of screws the show. up. That's the, only, I mean, that's the only thing that annoys me about it. I don't mind negative calls, yeah, except it's, for it's, on that subject. That subject alone is like the worst thing you could call in and complain about. Yeah, I'd go ahead and leave it, though. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm much more, uh, I, I would prefer whatever came out is out there. Good or bad, it's not like we're professionals here doing this for money. We're, oh, we're we are. Fun. Well, don't don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. It's obvious that we're not, uh, or at least that I'm not. Uh, maybe we'll leave it in. I guess I don't know. I'll just have to bleep out my profanity. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fine. Uh, all right. Well, this is the spec sheet with Curtis Thornton. I'm Michael Van Even. If you want to call the show, the number is five seven three eight three seven. 4948. It's 573 837 4948. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stick around, and there's more coming your way after this. I was told that you couldn't be trusted, and I knew that your heart was so cold. This is the spec sheet. You're the one, you're the one. This is The Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton, the Internet's premier technology podcast. On this broadcast, we're accepting tech support calls only from middle-aged black females named Lois. Call the show now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's The Spec Sheet. That's right. Give us a call. Just don't be like that other dude. (laughs) Or if you are, go ahead and call and let us know anyway. Yeah, whatever. You know what? I don't really care at this point. Just call. Who cares? Go ahead and treat it as a funny moment. So uh, the music you're hearing uh, leading out of the last segment during the break and back into this segment, pretty much all the music we're playing now is that of Eric Daw. He's uh, with a group called The Satellite Four. And actually, you know him as The General at CoastGab.com. And uh, what we've done is decided it's pretty much a good idea to start playing some podcast-safe music. (laughs) Because in April, the podcast was downloaded 10,000 times. And at that point, I started sort of reevaluating things and looking particularly at our music situation. 
And it seemed like a good idea to go ahead and nip that in the bud before we actually got a letter from anybody telling us that we had to stop using this or that song. And uh, I just didn't want to deal with that. So I put a request out there for anyone who happens to be in a band or know somebody who is to send us their music so we could play it on the show as bumper music. And he was the first one. And it's all really good stuff. And... uh, I mean, he was in the chat room just a little bit ago, too. Is he gone now? That's yeah, he bad. just left, yeah. Yeah, again, his band is the satellite for... I've got to get a link for him, and I'm going to put a link for anybody who submits any music on the uh, Radio Trainwreck website. I'm going to have like a page where everybody who submits music is highlighted, and I need to get that put together. It was enough for me to get the server rebuilt this weekend and get his music and all the new liners and stuff dumped into the system. I, I mean, literally the last four days of my life have pretty much been dedicated to this dumb stream. And uh, so I haven't managed to get that uh, link page up for, for Eric and his band. But I'm going to put everybody on there, again, as I said, who submits music. So if you have any music that's original and you'd like to give us permission to use it in perpetuity uh, on this show, you'll get a link on the radiotrainwreck.com website. You'll get a mention on this show from time to time. Not necessarily every show and every broadcast, but from time to time at least. And you'll get to hear your music played and other people, more importantly, other people will get to hear your music. And Yeah, uh, you'll, so. you'll also get to uh, note in, in your band's history that you are uh, featured on iTunes and uh, other podcast programs through us. And then if you become a big star and you start hitting the road, you know, doing lines of coke off of strippers' boobs and stuff, you can remember that we're the ones who broke you and you can get us in on your stripper parties and stuff. I was going to say, don't forget to thank us right before you (laughs) do your thing. Yeah, so anyway, if you're interested, you have some music you'd like to submit, send an email to michaelvandeven at gmail.com. That's michaelvandeven at gmail.com. Uh, really, all genres of music are appreciated and accepted. Just no country and no rap. Uh, short of that, pretty much anything is acceptable. And uh, we'll play it. And what about country rap? Uh, in that case, I literally would just shut the stream down. That's uh, just <laughs> the worst of both worlds. I mean, it's like saying, I don't like brain cancer. Yeah, well, I don't like shotgun blasts to the face. Well, how about if we gave you brain cancer and a shotgun blast to the face? Would I say yes in that case? Yes. <laughs> and may I have another, please? <laughs> Hand it over. Yes. So anyway, uh, Sony to. Sony cuts prices on Google TV integrated TVs. Um I've noticed that Google TV hasn't exactly been setting the world ablaze, and I've also noticed that the Logitech review has been dropped down to 99 bucks. and I was just talking to my buddy Tom, who does the liner voices actually on this show. I was talking to him last night, and I was like, dude, I'm kind of thinking about buying one of these now. I mean, first of all, 99 bucks. I mean, yeah. to have a really great web TV, first of all. Yeah. Uh, that alone with HDMI inputs uh, and outputs, I mean, come on. And flash integration, my wife could get on there and watch all of her silly little Arab movies mm-hmm. on these yeah, crazy uh, on these crazy Middle Eastern websites that she visits. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're not on any government watch list either, are oh, you? Oh, I'm sure not. I mean, pretty much every Skype call in and out of my house is between yeah. the United yeah. States and Morocco. Um, yeah, I mean. It's just you, Skype the CIA, whoever's on the other end of that line that you're originally calling, and whatever forces are on their side. We have a really nice arrangement. It's been great, and uh, I just hope it continues. I, I never feel alone. 
<laughs> even right now, while my wife is in Morocco visiting her family and will be until September 22nd, I just don't feel alone. Right. You've uh, always got somebody there with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I have company. Yeah. We're uh, calling into your radio show to harass you. My company is the company. And uh, yes. It's been the fun. you keep is the company. So what do you think about so, Google TV? I was thinking that the biggest reason to buy it is just for the fact that uh, pretty soon it's going to have the Google market, the app yeah, market. Well, if you go back when this first was released, we actually did an episode on it and talked about how it's uh, this great forward-thinking device that just isn't isn't ready yet. And I think that's being proven by the fact that Logitech and Sony have uh, slashed the prices so much. And I completely agree that for $99 – you might as well buy the thing because it's it is better than web TV was, and uh, it can do so many cool things. It's just again so forward thinking that when it first came out, no one wanted to pay two hundred fifty dollars for it. Also, it looks really complex. Price. Yeah, I mean, it's got IR blaster inputs and stuff. I mean, yes, really, is that a lot of that stuff? You're the reason why ninety nine is good is you're never going to use a lot of those features. But for ninety nine dollars, you're going to get your value out of it. Oh yes, you are definitely. Yeah. I mean, this could replace your Roku. It could replace your Apple TV. I think it could replace your Apple TV, couldn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure because I mean, all, all Apple TV's doing is hooking into iTunes, and pretty much. I mean, iTunes has some exclusive deals, but if you had Hulu Plus and uh, Amazon uh, and Netflix, I mean, you're you really don't need iTunes. Well, I mean, you could set this up to. Uh, to play over you, the you can set up. Could you not set up a, a drive share on your network, and then map to that drive share over the Google TV, and then play the iTunes content content that you've bought? Or will this do that? DR. Oh I think it's God, DR. they're still doing that. I'm pretty sure that the video still is. Oh, you can buy DRM free music, but why is video just like? Oh, it's video. Oh! Yeah. I mean, why are we? Are we really well, still doing that? Well, Apple's in the process of releasing a, a new service. I forget the name of it right now, but it's going to let you through Apple devices be able to – you buy content on, on iTunes and it plays through all your Apple devices. But that's not going to necessarily work with a Google, Google TV because they hate each other. Uh, but the thing is that you can get right now – I mean with the prices that they dropped on a, on a Sony Google TV – you can get a 24-inch TV for, that was 600 bucks for $295. So they cut it in half. Little, little more than half of the price. I think that the the death knell for this thing was the fact that I mean I'm talking about it like it's been discontinued or something, but yeah, no, it's going to come. I mean, there, there's another release that's going to be coming out of the the platform. So, like what? they mentioned, th th this comes from a, a TechCrunch article that came out today, and and they even point out the fact that buying it for ninety nine dollars right now is actually a pretty good deal for the fact that there's going to be some significant upgrades happening. That you'll have a, a lower end version of it, but a lot cheaper than the next generation that's about to come out. Hmm. Um, it's a, this. So th when you say next gen, you're talking about new hardware. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're I gonna mean what could the OS. hardware do that this doesn't do? I mean, well, honestly, and they they haven't announced with a, any new hardware for it yet. But you know, it's going to be coming. Uh, well, I think that not, the, I doubt Sony integrates it into their next TV, but I mean. I'm not I mean I'm not totally sure I understand what this thing does but my understanding is that it integrates with your satellite provider or your cable TV provider and it it sort of organizes the content for you in a searchable yeah. fashion and sort of like uh aggregates things in such a way as to make your viewing experience more efficient but the problem was that there were so many content providers that blocked this device 
from being able to access their services like Hulu. Um, there were several of them, but Hulu is the big right. one that stands out in my mind. It's been a while Wait, since I've followed this. Yeah. Well, even, well even the free side of their website was apparently yeah. blocked because for whatever reason, content providers have gotten it in their heads that if you watch content on your TV rather than sitting in front of a computer to watch it, that somehow harms them. Well, uh, I don't know been, where that they, idea came from, but they've got that idea. I didn't have this listed in our in our articles, but uh, th there, there's been some news coming out that uh, Time Warner has actually lost millions of dollars because of internet porn. People who used to buy uh, <laughs> TV, you know, Skinamax and and pay pay per view uh, porn that that's dropped significantly. Of like, course, it, huge huge uh, huge percentage uh, drops, which is a, th those are all. Uh, major re uh, revenue generators for them that they've lost, and and also just subscriptions because Americans are dropping their uh, cable subscriptions at a, a crazy rate. That you're going to see a, a major reshuffling of, of broadband access at some point to adjust for it. But th this device kind of merged both together. You would have thought that all the content providers would get together because the idea is that this replaces your your guide? No, 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 no. What you don't understand, well, or what you probably do understand, but needs to be pointed out, is that these people just fear Google. They don't oh, yeah. know why no. they fear Google. They just do because it's Google. And so this product comes along, and it's in some way interconnected with their product, and suddenly, oh, but it's Google. We really just can't give them that kind of power. Why? I don't know. A bunch of empty suits and pants suits sit around in a well, corporate boardroom and they just say, I don't know. We just can't give them that kind of power. So let's block it. Okay. There, there's a business strategy. It's based yeah, on nothing. I, I've really changed my point of view on Google in the last year because uh, I, I, I used to be a huge proponent of any new new device that came out of theirs. And Google TV was a good example early on where I, I just couldn't jump on board with it uh, and the uh, the new... Yeah, but you're uh, talking from a consumer perspective, though. Yeah, well, what I was going to say, though, is that Google did a really good job for years of appearing to be this company that is all about getting access to data, your data to, to the people, and they just went to the conduit to make that happen and, and take mm -hmm. a little bit of money off the top. And, but it seemed like they were very innocent in the process. Well, I think it turns out they're not nearly as innocent as they seemed, and, and they're very similar to uh, to how Microsoft was, so they're trying to to gobble up everybody and and ruin their competition ultimately. And I think these executives are seeing that. But how does and that he, make them unique? It doesn't. In it, business, it, it doesn't. But they had a really great uh, perception out there that Google is the the horse to get behind because they actually care about you. I think a but, lot of people still give them that goodwill, though. Do I, yeah, think, so I think I think more than any other tech company, even more than Apple. I think most people who are users of Google products have just sort of like, yeah, we know they're huge. Yeah, we know that they could really screw everything up if they wanted to, but we just trust them and we don't know why. I think yeah, a lot see, of people still feel people, that way. But... I kind of still am, but I kind of still am, really. I, I have not seen anything specific from them, uh, particularly when I saw them finally get their heads together and take the stance against China. Uh, that was when I decided, you know, I'm really and and then Larry and Sergey taking the company over again from uh, Eric Schmidt, 
who left mm-hmm. the CEO position. I To go work for the government, right? Whatever he went to. Well, he's still working for Google. He's just a lobbyist yeah. for the government, with the government. Mm-hmm. But he's not working for the government, to my knowledge. But um, when I saw that they took over the CEO position, or one of them did, they the took, other yeah, one. Yeah, they took back there. Uh, that yeah. made me feel even better about Google, frankly, because Eric Schmidt just struck me as an empty suit, all about the bottom line type of guy. Where yeah. Larry and Sergey are sort of, you know, the hippie, you know, bearded Linux, you know, idealist <laughs> types. Yeah, I, I think they've definitely got their agendas now compared to five years ago, though. Uh, but what which, specific is it that's caused you to feel this way, Curtis? Well, just the fact that uh, when it comes to phone tracking, uh, they sat, they, they were collecting more data and were, were more nefarious in what they were doing than Apple was. But they sat back and let Apple take all the, the negative press at first. And then it turns out that, that Google was 10 times worse than they were. That when it comes to their ad networks, they, they really they, they have such a tight control over what you see and where you see it that uh, I don't think it, I, I think they're using all that for a power play that we haven't seen the end result of yet. Do you uh, mean that Google they were TV. do you mean that they were 10 times worse? Sus- sus- why can't I use the English language? Do you mean that they were 10 times worse specifically in the mobile space or just when you take all the uh, products and put them together? Well, well, on the mobile part of it, just when it comes to tracking cell phone usage and location data, they were collecting all that for the explicit purpose of delivering, first off, to track where their users are, uh, whether you're on a, well, for Android devices, but they're also doing it if you're using the Google apps for uh Apple uh, devices or iOS devices, but their goal was to collect all this data and use it to profit off of you even more without your knowledge. They, they were doing this all behind the scenes where Apple, when it all came down, yeah, they were collecting your data more than they, they really announced or, or wanted to let on, but that data was being used for very specific purposes and not allowed to be used for advertising and revenue collection. It was to enhance the network. Well, but you really believe that it was just to enhance the network? No, no, no. I, no, I mean, I, what's going on behind the scenes? I have no idea. And well, I, that's the I, thing I that I, that that's kind of it for me. I mean, at least with Google, you kind of know why they're doing it. With Apple, it's just creepy because yeah. there is no real reason. Revenue advertising is not really their revenue stream. Google's is, so it would make sense that they would want to yeah. have location data. They would want to know who's in your contact list. They'd want to know what town you live in, where you go, how much you travel, how often you travel. You know, it makes sense I they would want to know that Google stuff. Anymore to have that, I, at, there was a time in my life when I would given would have given Google pretty much everything of my digital life because I trusted them. I don't trust them anymore. I, I don't trust Apple or Microsoft either. Uh, so it's not like uh, I'm open to this. I I really feel that. Uh, the, the consumer, when it comes to the Internet, uh, has really given a lot of rights up that, that they shouldn't have. But we did it. in. But in they get so much for free in exchange for that. Oh, no, I know. But uh, the it, thing is that for all the things that the amount of money Google's making off of me surfing the Web, unless I set up an AdSense account and go out and really promote you know my AdSense everywhere, then uh, I'm not making any money off of Google. But I am using services of theirs. But... Uh, those services that I'm getting are being paid for by me and all the millions of other people who use their uh, their stuff to search for doing basic stuff by you know collecting information from my life, and uh, then it get, gets deeper and deeper. Now now they're using what I watch on TV. They're able to hear the background noise uh, on a, an Android device and see what TV shows and commercials are on. Uh, 
just from my phone sitting there. That really freaks me out. Uh, that is creepy. It, not to mention cars that uh, drive themselves. Uh, all these things are cool and they need to be advanced, but I, I want to, I, w- I want a company that is more open about it and is specifically talking about how they're going to create revenue out of it. Google makes it seem like they've got these really cool plans and ideas that we have so much money, we're just going to go out and, and we're going to play. We're going to build our own social network. We're going to make our own phone platform. We're going to build our own TV aggregation service. We're going to make cars that drive themselves. And it all seems really like they want to help me out and they want to advance the future. But behind the scenes, they've, they've got a, a plan, a business plan to profit off of that. And the whole time their goal is to make me feel like I'm doing them a favor to use their services, not the other way around that they're doing. Well, that they're doing me a favor. Yeah, we get it. You got it. Yeah. You got yeah. it mixed I, up. I did it, sit it backwards. We, we understand. Yeah. Um, it just annoys me because uh, I really bought into all that at one point. Uh, so, I mean, what's I really, the solution? I mean, is there a solution? Do you well, Google, Google's going to need to be broken up at some point because they, they, they've got their fingers going out too many different directions and they probably don't even really know. Uh, I think Larry and Sergey don't don't realize all the different little projects that their own company is working on. They probably see it on a uh, a monthly newsletter or not newsletter, but monthly reports uh, what's going on. But when it comes down to actually knowing uh how that technology is being implemented, they don't know. They, they say, go do this and let a team go and, and build it. Again, and it seems like they're doing this cool thing to advance technology, but they're, they're advancing their bottom line. Uh, I would much rather them just come out and say, hey, I'm working on this project because I expect this kind of return on my investment, so I'm Google, do it because it's great. That, I mean, that's the Apple approach that we're going to do this thing and we're not really going to get a lot of feedback from you guys and we don't care, but it's Apple, so you're going to buy it. Uh, Google either needs to have that same arrogance about them, and they, they do, but they don't. They pretend like they don't. Uh, they, they need to just accept it and show it. That would make me feel better. At least we all know what's going on then. Uh, instead, they put on this pretense of they're this open, great, cool company, but reality, they, they aren't any different than Microsoft and Apple, and it really is starting to annoy me more and more. Speaking of Apple, uh, the big thing that I've wanted to know for quite some time and there hasn't been a lot of certainty about, and there never really is, and there were really never a certainty uh, with regard to Apple products until they're actually announced and released. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, with the exception of the iPhone 4. Yeah, uh, which uh, they just said they're not going to prosecute. Uh, well, prosecute what? What is there <laughs> the, to prosecute? The, the fact that they released all this uh, proprietary information even when they were asked not to. Asked not to? It's a crime to release it if you're asked not to? <laughs> right. No, I know. I, I don't think that Apple's right in that either, which is why no one's being prosecuted. I think Apple would enslave us all if they could. I have yeah, no doubt of that. But the thing is that I know that. You know, that's the difference where uh, they know it, they, they don't hide it. Google. But talk to the it. Apple fanboys out there. They have no idea of that. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I just bought a MacBook Pro. Uh, <laughs> the uh, show's over, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good night. It's actually better than it's ever been all of a sudden. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, if you noticed, uh, our listeners maybe didn't, but uh, this week uh, Apple actually overtook, uh, I think, ExxonMobil as the 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 most revenue or most capital on hand in the country. They have more money than any other American-based uh, corporation. Uh, I, I want to say it's in a three hundred billion, like three hundred sixty-five billion, something like that. They actually have more money on hand right now. 
than uh, the U.S. government does and in reserves. If I were an Apple stockholder, do I get like a dividend check of some kind? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. With know. all that money sitting in the bank, do I get a piece of that action? Yeah, I have to think they have a, a decent dividend. I mean, the, the problem with me is that their stock is like I think it's three hundred dollars. So I have no interest in spending three hundred bucks on. Uh, it's right Apple at three hundred dollars. It was it's somewhere around there. I, I guess since the market drop, I I haven't kept up with it. But last hmm. time I had looked, it sounds overvalued to me. Uh, no, I think it's. I mean, when you the the problem with Apple right now when it comes to uh, the market is that all their money is in uh, or all their revenue is coming in from mobile devices, whether it's iPads or iPhones. Uh, when it comes to actual PC sales, PC sales have been dropping uh, the last couple quarters. So uh, I hope Apple is smart enough to realize that a lot of companies come and go very quickly in the the mobile world. It wouldn't take much for Google to develop the next. Uh, to develop their first real iPhone killer, and Apple could completely lose their market share very quickly. Uh, if if the device was cheap and seemed as easy to use as a, an Apple device is. Uh, well, anyway, back on my earlier point. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's hard to know what an Apple product is really going to be until it's actually announced and released and everybody's got the official specs. Uh, but I really want to know what the next iPhone is going to be. I want to know if the screen's going to be larger because if it is, there's a good chance I'm switching. And yeah. I know it's hard for you to believe that those words are coming from my I mouth. Know. Uh, I, I want to get. Too bad I don't have video on. You can see the smile on my face. It's radiating. Actually, <laughs> see, this is what I don't get about Apple fanboys. I talk about potentially switching to an iPhone with the next revision, and you're smiling as though, ah, yes, my iPhone design has one over another. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why does this benefit you in any way? How is, the, how, how is this affecting you? Is your family going to have more uh, food on the table at the end of the month with my iPhone purchase? <laughs> yeah, yes, because I have no stock in Apple, so I'll see no increase in it. But, uh, well, my reasoning behind that, and for those who heard the previous broadcast a couple of months ago, it's been a while since we did a show, actually, but I was complaining about the nature of the locked bootloader on my Motorola Droid X and the fact that this locked bootloader prevents me from installing custom ROMs. Yes, there are custom ROMs out there for the Droid X, but they're all based on the Motorola kernel uh, of Android 2.3 Gingerbread, and they have to be because of the locked bootloader. It's it's yeah, encrypted and signed, and you have to have that uh, in order to load the ROM. So that means any custom ROM I load on the phone has to be based on that Motorola released Motorola kernel that's signed, and the bootloader will allow, allow it to uh, install. Uh, well, the problem with that is the last release of Gingerbread pretty much broke Wi-Fi on my phone. Uh, yeah. It has significantly diminished the audio listening experience on this phone. I can be driving down the road listening to a podcast and my phone will just suddenly reboot or uh, it'll just go on to the next event. And if there's not a next event to play, it'll just stop. And then it'll reboot. Or if I if I turn the screen on really if I turn the screen on and then I turn it off too quickly, the phone will reboot. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of weird little quirky problems like that. And I contacted Verizon. I had them send me another phone. So I'm sitting here with another Droid X, and it's got the same hardware, uh, or rather, it's got the same software on it, and I'm having the same issues. And I'm just done with this Android model of waiting for Google to ship 
a new revision of Android and then open source it. And then I have to wait for my phone manufacturer to decide, oh, my phone is worthy of an update. And then when they make that determination, which is completely capricious and arbitrary, by the way, based yeah. on nothing but their whim, then... Well, some month- engineer who wants to play with it. Right. Then months later... Months later, an update might be sent down the chain to my device, and yay, I'll have an update. But, oh, wait, there's more. That update's going to be loaded down with Motorola bloat. Mm. And I'm just tired of it. This is not a good system. The only way around it is to get one of the Nexus devices if you want to have an Android phone and not go through this. But that's limited because the Nexus devices are only available on specific carriers for each revision of that device. You can't just get a Nexus device and run it on any old carrier that you want to. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm just kind of done with this, dude. There are too many people between the software and me getting it. Well, that, that's where I say, you know, forgetting everything I said earlier about Google and my, my rant, uh, if they could get it right, if they could, get, if they could take all those middlemen out and, and bring it from their OS development into your hands and you pick which version you want, like a typical open source Linux product should be, uh, they could beat Apple and then they could beat the iPhone pretty easily. They're, they're still winning in the amount of uh, handsets that are sold. Uh, they blow away Apple when it comes to that because there's such a wide variety. But when it comes to the the end to end experience, they aren't they aren't keeping up their end of the bargain. I think and I think Android might be one of the worst things that's ever happened to Linux. And I know that seems counterintuitive to say, but I really do because it seems so contrary to what the open source movement was supposed to be about. The yeah. the idea that you could do whatever you wanted to do with your device. I'm not even talking about Android's not really open source, man. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is open source. I'm not even going to get into that argument. I'm just simply talking about the customization of my own device that I own and paid for and I paid dearly every month for. Uh, The idea that I can do with it what I want and I can't on this device. That's Linux? Really? How did they get the licensing? Like Linux comes with certain licensing provisions and restrictions. mm -hmm. How did they pull this off? Oh, there's ways around the the open licenses there to to control your your section of it. I mean, because... Look at a Red Hat and different distributions that. Well, that's true. They have their their commercial ver- divisions of them. Who would pay but, for Red Hat? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you have I a mean, server farm, I guess. Uh, but even then, I mean, why would you pay for Red Hat? I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm uh, legitimately and seriously asking. Well, why you would you get pay tech for support that? with that? And you get the access to uh, if you have a, a serious issue with it. That, that if you find a serious bug, unlike Microsoft, the guys at Red Hat. Back in the day, and I don't use Red Hat at all now, but you could get on the phone with them and talk about what your issue was or through IRC or email and tell them what it was, what happened, and they're going to get a bug release put out immediately. Hmm. And, I mean, so it was worth it. I mean, that, that's the difference between the open source community where you say, hey, you know, I had this problem and I, I'm too lazy to fix it myself, so somebody fix it and then wait. <laughs> and then you wait and wait and wait and wait. Finally, somebody has the same problem who has the skills to fix it, uh, and and they release a uh, a patch for it. That always annoyed me about my my Linux friends who didn't know how to do anything as far as driver building drivers or or, or coding in it. That would say, "Oh, I use Linux," but then their their computer could do three things because uh, <laughs> they 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 were waiting for somebody else to fix something. I'm like, you know, not that I'm a Linux developer or anything, but uh, you're not lead. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, I, I wish I was, but uh, but at least I recognize the fact that the, the community is, is is everything, and there's limitations to the open source community too. Oh, which is the boy problem. are they limited? I hate yeah. the Ubuntu community. I hate well, them with a passion. They're a bunch of snarky, oh. sniveling, condescending, unlaid douchebags. They've you never touched to a woman. Boys. What? We compare them to Apple fanboys. What's what the What's the difference between a, an Ubuntu fan and a? They're both based on a Linux version or a Unix version, uh, or flavor. Whether it's a, as far as all the things you said there, a lot of people would would translate over to Apple people too, about the elitist and. Well, but the the Apple people typically don't know anything about computers. That's why they're Apple people. They don't want to know anything about computers. They just want to turn it on. They don't want to tinker with anything. I heard someone on some podcast one time say, well, I think it's pretty well known that, you know, computer power users generally tend toward Apple products. Really? How could anybody yeah. say that with a straight face? I'm not even coming at this from a from a from uh, an Android fanboy perspective or any perspective. I'm just saying, look at reality. How could anybody say that if you're a power user, you're going to gravitate toward Apple? Uh, does yeah. that does that strike you as being well, a, anything other than ridiculous? I think it depends on their definition of power user, and probably for what this person was saying, your argument's right. But it, up until recently, uh, I would have said if you're a content producer of like video, graphic production, anything like that, and you were a power user for that purpose, Apple was better. Well, but, yeah, that specific purpose, and I think Apple it, still is better, and probably yeah, you know, always will be. I don't know so much anymore. I mean, because like I said, I really I, I'd been using a Hackintosh for a while, and and I liked it, but it, it had its limitations. Everything I said about the the Linux user that uh, when my Hackintosh didn't work, I don't know how. I don't I don't have the slightest uh, knowledge on how to build uh, drivers and KTEX uh, in an Apple to make hardware communicate with it. I can only edit devices and and do what people tell me in a forum, uh, but. Uh, when, when my Hackintosh would have a problem, I was at the mercy of the community of people who were developing in it to fix it. So here recently I switched to uh, the MacBook Pro. So now I'm on, on a native device running it and uh, using applications like Photoshop. It had been years since I'd used Photoshop natively in OS or in, in a, uh, any Apple OS uh, back when it seemed like it was so much better to use it in a, an Apple device back then. After now having years of use it, using it on a PC, it's really clear to me they they develop those applications on a PC and they port them to a, a Mac, and it, it's just not there. There isn't any difference between the experience other than it gets annoying how you don't have a window in the back of uh, the application on, on OS X and it's distracting. Little things. I mean, I I'm used to using Macs enough, but not to sit down and and, and do a layout for a web page uh, or go in and do a Word doc. These things actually feel somewhat distracting now to me on OS X where they feel natural on the PC. And I don't think it's just user experience either or uh, muscle memory of using it on a PC. I really do think that all developments focused on how the Windows environment functions and they're like, oh, hey, also I got to put this on the Mac too because we're going to make a lot of money on, on the Mac. So you heard it here, folks. Windows is the way to go. Well, I'm not saying that, but it just feels. No, you are. That's the end of the show. Curtis Thornton <laughs> says, go with the PC. I'm Michael Van Dieven. <laughs> You're going to switch to an Apple phone. I'm going to switch back to my PC. <laughs> well, no, anyone who's interested, I mean, this is nowhere near formalized, but 
if you go to my blog or my website and the blog on it, I, I've been posting about my experience switching to the MacBook in, in very random ways. If you're interested, go to curtisthornton.com and click on my blog entries or at the, the bottom uh, right hand of the the screen on the homepage, you'll see my, my blog entries where, uh, again, it's very random and, and not not a coordinated effort to promote Apple in any way. Just when, when I feel something worth posting uh, about my Switch, I've been doing it on a, a semi-regular basis. Um, so I guess my original question, do you know anything about the next iPhone? Do you know what we can you expect? You know, I, I don't have anything hardcore. I mean, and I guess I, I there were I some pictures really... with some dude walking around with what appeared to be one. Right, and if that is it, then I'm excited because the the screen was bigger. I couldn't tell from the smaller. picture that it was bigger. Yeah, well, you I think could? It's, the, it's thinner. Well, I'm going by what was written in, in the article that I read with it. Well, if they looked at the same picture that I looked at, I don't know how they were able to extract that from that picture. Well, and my worry too is that. Uh, the iPhone 4 seems to be just the right feel for my hand as far as screen size. I Originally, I almost bought an, an Evo thinking that I wanted that larger screen. You with do. It. You do. Well, it, and I, I know several people have Evos, and, and just like you, they get really annoyed at the Android bugs. If my phone powers on and works every time. It just has the worst phone dialer of any any smartphone. But uh, On iOS? Yeah, I, I just don't Got like a bad it. phone dialer? I, I don't like it. I, I don't think it's as intuitive. Everything else about the iPhone I love, but when it comes to actually using it as a phone, I don't like it as much. Hmm. But uh, for an internet device and for all the apps, uh, it's it's a really productive device. I love it. But when I go to make a phone call, to me that feels like it's the one area that, that they kind of just threw in last minute. Uh, Did you know that by fall this year, the Android market is going to exceed the uh, Apple market, the iOS market, and the number of apps? Oh, and really? yes, and by the fall of this year, Android will be on pace to be activating a million devices every day. Oh, I, I believe that. I mean, because look at all the different places that uh, are selling their products compared to the, the only real competition they have in in Apple has uh, two carriers really in the U.S. selling one device. Yeah, but that's Apple's choice. Right. Pe oh, no, people say that. I'm not saying you're doing this, but people say that like it's some kind of a circumstance that Apple found themselves no. thrust into. And no, that was their choice. That's that's the business model they chose. And I don't think it's a very good one, frankly. What's going back to what I was saying earlier that Apple's doing so well right now uh, with revenue because their their mobile business is so strong. But it could turn on a dime and, and go a different direction. And like I said, Google could be the ones to do it very easily. Uh, or Sony or uh, Motorola could. Uh, there's no way something. Sony's going to do anything. Well, I doubt. I mean, have you seen their, it's called the Xperia, the. Uh, the Play, the Xperia yeah, the Play. Play. Yeah. The, to me, that's the, the most idiotic. I know on, on its surface, it looks that way, but I've heard people say really good things about it once they got it in their hands. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, well, it, it's amazing to me. Uh, if you want to, if you want to play games on a truly gaming device, then then buy a DS or something, or, or a PlayStation Portable. Uh, I, I don't like the idea of mixing, try, trying to take everything that worked in one device and put it in a phone. Uh, on Android and and uh, iPhone apps, they're designed to work on that on that platform. It's different than trying to shoehorn a different mobile experience into a phone. I don't know. I've heard good things. Yeah, we'll have to I'll have to look more into it. Not that I'm going to buy one. But. Let us know on the next broadcast, Curtis. 
Let us yeah, know. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, get that uh, ordered right now. Hold on. Done. Wasp, the Linux-powered flying spy drone that cracks Wi-Fi and GSM networks. Actually, um, well, first of all, what kind of Wi-Fi networks does this crack? And what do they mean by crack? Yeah, well, they don't really go into detail in this article. Uh, this is a group of or two guys uh, for the DEF CON conference. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, actually, I think it's probably already happened or it's happening right now. Uh, but for DEF CON, uh, you, you get all these hackers together and uh, they show vulnerabilities throughout uh, our technology infrastructure. So these two guys took uh, an old spy drone uh, like a, that, that had been used at some point by the military, took it, added Wi-Fi sniffers, uh, GSM antenna repeaters and high def cameras and Wi-Fi control over it. Uh, crammed all that stuff into this this uh, spy plane, which is really just a little bit bigger than a regular RC airplane. Uh, fly it, and then they're able to uh, hack into networks. I have to think that it's doing. Uh, it has to be networks that aren't using WPA two. Yeah, because my understanding is WPA one and two neither have ever been cracked. Yeah, I mean it has, it has to be uh, web connections that they're they're doing this too. But but the other thing about it though is that this, as this device goes around, it's got 32 gigs of uh, of flash memory on board. So they they take it. You can you can set a pre planned flight program into it, and it's all using Linux too, by the way. Uh, but you program this in, fly it around the neighborhood. It collects data on all the Wi Fi connections around that area. Tells you which ones are open, which ones it can crack, uh, and then back from home base, you can go uh, go and use that internet for whatever purposes you wanted to. Then, but uh, a really scary part of it is the GSM can, uh, connection they have on it. They basically basically can become a handoff tower for your cell phone connection. So you're walking along, talking on the phone. This thing flies by you uh, in your neighborhood or place of business. Your phone hands off to this antenna to repeat out to. Uh, the main cell towers, and they have complete and open access to your entire phone conversation. Actually, th now that hackability of GSM, that's not something that these guys invented. I mean, no, they just, no, it's a very easy thing to do. I yeah, guess. I mean, I I don't know a ton about that, but Steve but Gibson did a whole show on Security Now about GSM hacking and yeah, just how easy it was. I mean, this protocol goes back about twenty five years, right? And, uh, and and produces very crappy audio. Is GSM the audio qualities not up to par with uh, CDMA? Uh, I don't believe so. Hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's it's heavily compressed on the voice side of it. Well, the problem is uh, the GSM technology. It's so entrenched everywhere. Uh, I mean, it's all over the world, and any change to the protocol would really yeah. be an undertaking. Oh uh, yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's it, sort of like the old days back in the like late '80s, early '90s, when you could get an 800 megahertz scanner and turn it on and listen here. to people having cell phone calls all over town, and that was great, man. I used to listen to the craziest stuff people were talking. I, the one that stands out in my mind is this girl telling her boyfriend that 
um, she found out she has some sort of venereal disease and that he should probably go get tested because whatever she has, he probably has too. This stands out in my mind so clearly nice. as one of the, the uh, preeminent calls I used, eavesdropped. But I used to listen to people all over the neighborhood. I knew so much about the people that I was living near. I'll never great. forget. One time I'm talking to a, a friend of mine who's on his cell phone uh, and I'm on the landline phone and uh, he makes a turn down a road and all of a sudden his phone switches with a truck driver uh, that was on the same road as him. Uh, and so now I, I'm talking mid sentence. I'm talking to this truck driver now instead of my friend. Really? And That's so, like, possible? It, well, it, somehow it was. Somehow the, the tower they were on flipped their signal and uh, so, of course, he was mid-sentence, mid, mid sentence too, so we start laughing and talking about it. I ask him where he's at. He's like, I can't hear Art Bell anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, those guys, they think they're better than me. Just because you're the fancy radio boy. <laughs> yeah, give me back my Art Bell now. <laughs> you don't understand. I need this. I'm going to wreck. Well, I didn't pay nothing for it, nor will I, but I want it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm willing to exert the effort to complain about it. <laughs> Uh, you know okay. the, the the effort in that phone call cost more than his entire contribution to the to the the entire system to keep it up and running. I'm glad I went ahead and renewed the Skype phone in subscription so that that guy could call. It was a worthy it's, investment. You know, I was thinking to end the show, we really should call him back and ask if we redeemed ourselves and whether we're worthy of his time. What I would like to ask is if he crashed into a bridge abutment. Uh, well, well, that's uh, what I really want to know. Did, did he ever tell us his name? I don't know. Yeah, well, he, once I hear, once I pick up the phone and I hear "stupid" on the other end, uh, <laughs> you know there's gonna. there's not going to be any catching of any names. Yeah, uh, well, uh, call back, great sir. We, we'd like to hear from you again. Well, we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Um, let's see. DARPA loses contact with HTV2. What is this? Okay, so this is a a very expensive DARPA experiment to try to create the fastest. Uh, I don't really want to call it a plane, but fastest. Uh, I want to go ahead and say it fastest plane around it to, to basically go past, I believe. <laughs> was that the technical plane. goal? The, thing, the fastest plane around. <laughs> no, basically <laughs> if you look at the spec sheet at the top, it says, hopefully the fastest plane around. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this whole thing. Right? Okay. Now I got to stop laughing. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, there's so been, so they, they invented this no, plane and they lost contact with it. Yeah, this, well, this is the second time. Back in March, the, the basically the same thing happened. But the goal is to create uh, high-velocity planes that, that travel up in the upper atmosphere that you can, you can go from California to New York in under 12 minutes is the goal of this and travel anywhere in the world very quickly. So it's to build a rapid deployment device for the military ultimately. Hmm. Uh, and DARPA is the uh, division of... Uh, the, the great war machine that we are that uh, develops uh, new technologies. They were heavily involved in the early days of the Internet. Uh, and uh, anyway, so this this, this uh, plane, uh, they take it up in March, uh, let it start flying, and it's tracking its speed, positioning data, uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it loses – it has some kind of technical glitch in March. And uh, from that, they purposely crash the plane – into the ocean. So it's amazing that you have this multi-million dollar, maybe even the billion dollar range, I don't know, experiment. It has an error, so they crash it, destroying it. Well, fast forward to uh, this week, and I think today, uh, they go to do the next experiment with uh, another version of this plane, 
and it starts flying and uh, just loses access or loses connection completely. And so they lost all all data from it, and it's hopefully crashed into the ocean successfully like it was supposed to. But uh, supposedly it could reach up to Mach 22 uh, is their goal, which is extremely fast. Uh, they need to put a monkey in this thing so that when they lose they contact, he can just take over. <laughs> that would be great. He's like, oh, okay, my turn. All right, here we go. Yeah. Take a look uh, at the first, horizon. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's just amazing to me that uh, our government uh, is putting the money into this. They really don't explain what the end result for us is. I mean, what's the the military capability this is going to gain? I mean, maybe to deploy drones uh, anywhere in the world within uh, you know, 30 minutes, I guess, uh, or a pizza to our troops over in Afghanistan. Well, if it's but, not used for that, I want the whole thing scrapped as a I taxpayer. Agree. Uh, I agree. Pizza delivery or bust, as they used yes. to say in the 40s. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that's pretty much it with this story. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting tech and uh, crazy use of it. Uh-huh. I see on the uh, next story we have here, Motorola may flex its patent muscle. I would like to talk about this. I think we should take a break, though, before we do. Um, I have a machine in the next room that I just finished spin writing, and I would like to see uh, what the results were. (laughs) (laughs) That is because this is the spec sheet. (laughs) We'll be back. Stick around. Call the spec sheet now at 573-837-4948. You've got the spec sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this edition, we'll be discussing only lawnmower repair. Please, no calls about computers. Call the show now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's the spec sheet. Yeah, that's right. I'm Michael Van Dieven. I'm here with Curtis Thornton, the host of this wonderful show this evening. And we're going to talk a little bit now about Motorola. Uh, This is from Information Week. Motorola may flex its patent muscle. What's happening here? Yeah, this actually folds pretty well into what we've been talking about. uh, Because the the point of the article is that with Google's uh, battle with Apple and Microsoft on phone devices with Android... uh, Google doesn't have a very strong position uh, in all these lawsuits and, and patent arguments that everyone's having because Google hardly has any patents at all. Uh, another thing, going back to our conversation earlier, that uh, Google's out doing all these crazy things or these really cool things, but they really don't have anything to show for it ultimately at the end of the day, and patents would be uh, another part of that. Uh, the people that Google connects with, uh, their hardware partners, especially on Android, they have tons and tons of patents for for the devices they're working on uh, in hardware, but Google doesn't doesn't show any patents to go with it. So in the battle uh, for the mobile phone space, Apple and Microsoft, who do hold plenty of patents, are just battering them legally saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're, you're infringing on us. Uh, and recently there was... Uh, a big uh, auction of uh, Nortel up in Canada and uh, several, or I think over 6,000 patents were sold as a part of this auction uh, in all kinds of intellectual, intellectual prop- property uh, that was owned by the company. 
And uh, Google intended to uh, buy up as many of those patents as they could and uh, try to take control of that and have a, a leg to stand on when it came to the legal battles. Well, Microsoft, Apple, uh, REM, and several other companies all got together and leveraged a lot of money from from that uh, that grouping and bought all these patents at a crazy price above what Google was willing to pay and snatched all those patents from them. So now walks in Motorola uh, and their partnership with micro, or with uh, Google, and they say that since they hold uh, a large amount of patents, maybe they need to start suing anybody and everybody who moves uh, to increase their position. And the problem is I think that my, Motorola is making a play to maybe take over uh, Android from Google at some point to say, hey, you know what, you have no strength here when it comes to fighting the big guys, but we do. So let us take care of you, and ultimately they'll get sucked up by it, and that will be the end of Android if that happens. But uh, I just think it's interesting that Motorola, that used to be a leader in, in mobile phones, kind of fell behind for several years, then put all of their eggs in the basket of Android. Now they're the ones who are going to come up and, and use their patent strength to, uh, to bolster Android against Apple and Microsoft. I don't know if it's how a good you, play on their part. How do you think you, – you say that this play may evolve into something where they try to take over Android from Google. How do you see that actually working or happening, I mean, logistically? Well, well what I think will happen is that after a while uh, in this scenario, uh, Google will expend so much money and resources just to keep Android afloat versus all the battles from all, all sides they're having – that they're, they're going to say, hey, this isn't worth it. If my if uh, Motorola is the one company that's standing behind them and going to battle with Apple, Microsoft, REM, uh, saying, you know, you can't, here's our patents on technology, and we're going to sue you for getting too close to our patents. And it turns out to really be a play of OSs. It's uh, uh, Apple OS, Microsoft OS versus Android OS, uh, and the only only pe- people who can go to court with any legitimate stance on any kind of mobile technology is, is Motorola. At some point, it's going to be easy enough to say, hey, Google, you really have a loser here. Let us take it over. Think of HP and uh, Palm OS. That would be my example to use. I, if you were to look back several years ago before the web OS came out, there, I, I couldn't imagine a scenario where, where HP would want to uh, to purchase them. But they did the exact same thing. They start putting webOS on some of their devices or at least talked about doing it. And then very quickly when the first sign of weakness showed up that a Palm OS was going to fall or Palm was going to fall apart with webOS, they buy up the company and have complete control of it now. I, I can see the same scenario happening to Google. And really when it comes down to it, if Google's not making a lot of money off of Android, they're just getting a lot of name recognition and services that people are using and they're making money off the ad revenue of that, but they could shed the OS part of it and all the infrastructure for keeping that running to a company like Motorola, but still have all their services attached to it. It's probably a win for them all around. God, what um, a disaster that would be. Yeah. Well, Mike, or Mike, you want to say Microsoft Motorola will ruin it because you already know about the, well, look what the yeah, look, I've seen what they do to Android when yeah. given the opportunity. Again, Motorola, Motorola and Nokia used to rule the the, the mobile phone uh, industry, and look at what happened to them. They, they got relegated to a, a has been for many many years, and now because of Android, they're they're coming back, and uh, 
it's just a matter of time, especially with this. So the, the reason I wanted to put this article in here is I think it, it, it is to build a trend that we're going to see happening, that Motorola is going to come to the defense more and more of Android, uh, not just to protect their own devices and own patents, but they're actually going to stick their neck out in a threatening way saying you continue to go after Android legally uh, and we're going to crush you. And it, it would make sense for Motorola ultimately to, to make that play with a goal of purchasing because, like you said earlier, Android devices way outnumber anybody else. Uh, and once they get to a point of a million uh, devices being registered, uh, being activated each day, Motorola would like to have the majority of those be their devices and to make some money off of each of the ones that aren't a Motorola device. Well, Microsoft is already making five bucks off of every Android sale. Did you know that? Right, with uh, the email. Is that, what is, it, that, is that what it is? Well, that's at least part of it because uh, Gmail licenses exchange uh, as part of its uh, sync protocol. Hmm. Uh, there great. might be more to it too. I don't know. Uh, um, five years from now, where do you, what do you think the mobile space is going to look like? Just a prediction. Well, see the future. Okay. I, I, I actually do see uh, – my gut feeling is that Motorola is going to take over Android at some point. Uh, in, in five years is probably a safe timeline to say that. You're going to see something else come out. There's going to be a new company that that will will pop in there. That's going to be in between what Apple does and uh, what Android's doing now. And that upstart will probably be the next new thing. Apple just like like what they do with all great technology they release. That they'll have an awesome run. That's almost over. The iPhone five, iPhone six, by iPhone seven, uh, you're going to start to see the decline. They're going to care less about it and move on to some new thing, whether it's tablets, home integration, the cloud. Uh, you're going to see Apple drift away from it because of that. that's just the way their, their company has always run. And uh, throw into mix the fact that Steve Jobs will probably be dead at that yeah, time. Yeah, well, well, and Apple always has done that. I, they, they do a great job when their focus is on something like the iMac, the MacBook. When their focus is heavy on it, it's great. But as soon as their focus leaves it, it, it starts to drift and get too complicated and you're already starting to see it with apple's uh, uh icloud and all of that they're 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 doing too many things now with a device that its whole value was the fact that it worked every time and was and had awesome support awesome reliability well the more this stuff goes to the cloud the more chance of failure happens and the more they drift their their goals away from creating really cool phones uh apple won't be a major player. It'll be uh, basically the equivalent of what an, an iPod, an iPod Classic is now. You can still buy them, but they're not the money maker for the company. Well, where so, would Apple's focus go? Well, it's going to go, I think, more to cloud-based services and media content. Uh, they're, they're, iTunes is their future. They, I'm sure they believe that. But regardless if, but if Apple's not making hardware on which people consume that content, do they really have something there? Oh, well, I think they'll still do that. It's just that uh, phones won't be necessarily the device you're doing it on. I think tablets, uh, hmm. whether it's probably not an iPad, but a mix between the laptop and the and the tablet, I, I think you'll see those two converge more. Uh, and from that, uh, you'll have Apple's next device. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's to me, it seems obvious because you've got like the MacBook Air, which is almost a, a laptop tablet hybrid anyway. If you could only flip the screen around like the new Dells or like a lot of the Dells can do now, uh, then it would be that hybrid that we need. But you like those? 
I like them, but I've never used one as a daily daily computer, so I, I might not like it as much. When I see anything with a screen that flips around and becomes a tablet, I just think, oh, my God, 2002. Yeah, well, it worries. Well, well uh, I would like to see Microsoft uh, with Windows 7 come out with something like that that was affordable. Well, uh, it would have to be Windows 8 with the new. Well, yeah, well, right. Yeah, when, well, the Windows 7, Windows 8, uh, because, I mean, there's so many... Windows has so many functional apps to it that I'd much rather have uh, a Windows device to actually work on mobile that wasn't a, just a laptop because I love my iPad and it, it's you know ultra portable and it does several things really well, but it's not a sit down and do a lot of work device. It's a sit down and play device. Uh, but if it had Windows 7 on it, all the apps that I use on Windows, uh, if I had those in a mobile uh, tablet, that didn't cost a crazy amount of money and wasn't big and thick, then uh, I'd enjoy it. I thought the HP Slate could have been that, but here's it's expensive. A, and here's a frightening precedent. Uh, you oh, by the way, the HP Slate. Good God, is that thing a flop or what? Yes. That's all I had to say. Anyway, okay. here's. <laughs> You're right. Though. I mean. First of all, there's no one alive who thought HP was going to buy up Palm and WebOS and do it right. Right. Nobody. And I remember watching during the demo when they were showing this HP Slate. Wait, no, that's the one that was going to have Windows 7 on it. it. The, yeah, Windows 7. Now they have okay. a new device. Yeah, the new it. device is the one that I'm saying is a flop. Yeah. Well, no, that is too. <laughs> <I think laughs> okay. Anyway, on to the next story. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll look at the RIM playbook. I, I think I've said this before, but I want to repeat it again. If you have a BlackBerry, don't think that the playbook is going to be a valuable device to buy. It, it, it was dead on arrival. Why? It, well, it, RIM fails at everything they build. They, they used to be great at building communication devices for businesses, but all advanced uh, OSs now can do everything that <laughs> BlackBerry could do in RIM. That there's no need to have some specialized crappy phone now so that you can communicate uh, with the office. What, I got to talk to the people at the office. Yeah. Well, Android has great communication ability now and integration with email and all that. It does just as good of a job as, as BlackBerry did. And so does Apple and Microsoft phones do too for all the issues they have. But uh, the, the playbook, don't go to the company that is uh, losing ground daily and expect to have an innovative tablet come out of them. Uh, they keep promoting the fact that it, their their playbook uh, plays Flash. I, I don't care. I mean, if that's the only thing you can promote about the thing, then you really lost me already because I have an iPhone and I can't uh, play Flash. I have an iPad that can't do Flash, and my web experience is just fine. Um, it would be cool if I could watch Flash, but I wouldn't buy a device specifically because it can play Flash. Well, you also have... A menagerie of Android devices that can do Flash, right? And it and, so many and other an app market well. that really is just, you know, pretty soon going to be second to none. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say earlier when we were talking about app markets, what do you think about Amazon though creeping in on on the app market because they've built their own Android app market now that uh, they're really trying to pull people away from with, with like the revenues. Uh, Benefits that they, they initially mentioned or announced, but now it sounds like it's not as good of a deal as it was going to be for a developer to launch on on the... Uh, well, was there you know. ever any perception that it was going to be a good deal for somebody to launch on the Amazon App Store? Yeah, they, they, they opened up... Because I thought that the, the, the fees and stuff were pretty onerous. 
yeah, but the you, you had more control. Supposedly, it turns out that it wasn't anywhere near like they said. And I thought but, a- Amazon was actually going to set the price of your app and all kinds of crazy well, stuff. Am I wrong about that? Well, I, I think to a certain point because uh, the Android market is very restrictive as far as you can't run specials. You, you can't sell your app for free. There's rules to that because of the open source. Like if you have a pay app, you can't temporarily make it free like you can on the uh, iPhone uh, or the, the Mac uh, iPhone, uh, iOS store. Uh, but uh, Amazon said they would open up all that to where you could uh, – you could discount in the Amazon store where you couldn't do that uh, on the Android store for some reason. They were going to make it much more friendly, but it was going to cost more. But uh, the company I'm trying to think of that released uh, an app that I heard most of this from, they basically hated the experience and said that they wouldn't uh, use the Amazon store to launch an app again. Hmm. But uh, they wooed over several big name app developers for the launch of the Amazon store. And I, I think that you're going to have so many, such a shattering of uh, the, the control that Amazon or the, uh, Android needs to keep control. That's going to fracture so many different directions that the average user is going to get an Android and they're going to have to make so many decisions on, do I get apps at the Amazon store? Oh, I, I disagree. You think I mean, so? I think the average person now, you and I are not average people, so let's try and remember who average people are. Average people are going to get their Android device, and it's going to have a market on it, and that's what they're going to use. They don't even yeah. know about the Amazon App Store unless they they frequent Amazon as a customer over there. The only well, time that they wouldn't... That's the person I'm thinking of. The, the, the only instance I can see where they wouldn't necessarily be clear in what the choices really are is if they buy the Amazon tablet, which I'm sure is soon to come... Uh, just simply because of the existence of this Amazon App Store. That makes it pretty clear to me that, and a lot of others, I mean, this isn't an original observation I'm making here, but it's pretty clear that there's an Amazon tablet on the way, uh, an Android-based Amazon tablet, and the uh, App Store that they've thrown together is just sort of a prelude to this. Yeah, well, I I still think that it's going to create a fracturing of of competing forces that is only going to confuse the end user ultimately. But if you get an Android phone and it comes with a market on there, I mean, the yeah, market is there. I mean, where's the confusion come in? Yeah, but then it won't take long after that that you're going to have Amazon sue Google and say, hey, you should have our marketplace on there too because it's not fair. They're going to pull up the precedent of Netscape and Internet Explorer. I, I can see this going a really bad direction. But how would that, how would this circumstance apply to the precedent set previously between Netscape and Internet Explorer? I, I think it's a, I, I don't think it's a very large leap to make. Uh, Google claims that Android's open, uh, which I know is different than, than Windows, but uh, when you get the device, if, if it becomes the, uh, the dominant phone uh, platform that everyone's using, and when someone gets a phone, uh, they use whatever the default icons are, like you said, uh, Amazon is going to have a point to say that, hey, you claim to be an open uh, environment, but you're not open enough to ship with with my marketplace on it. So therefore, you're a monopoly when it comes to uh, Android users. And that's not fair. God, I could see that happening maybe in the UK or I could in the EU rather, but mm-hmm. not here. I mean, I think it could. They, they couldn't even so get the I mean, like when you uh, 
in the EU, they managed to pull off that thing where whenever you install Windows 7 and run it for the first time, you'd see that little choice thing that comes up where you can choose yeah. between a bunch of browsers, one of which was some crappy Firefox derivative called Sleep Near. Well, isn't Japan. it ridiculous that you're, you're Firefub. <laughs> Firefub is the future. <laughs> it is the future. There's more to be announced yeah. later on Firefub. We're not going to discuss that so much Wait now. Wait for it. There's something coming though, and you will you will enjoy. Yeah. It, it will change your uh, browsing experience. <laughs> oh, it will. Yeah, it will change it. Uh, it will change it. Yes. Choice with a question mark. <laughs> Here's your choice. Now go choke on it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, our caller from earlier today will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he probably doesn't know what a browser is, so I'm browser. Not... Browser. What the hell's? I just want to hear our bell. I was hoping he would flip his uh, his gasket when I said, who's Hart Bell again? But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, so yeah, I, I can just see uh, the future of Android, again, its own success being being crushing for it. Motorola, Amazon, too many people are going to want a piece of that pie. I just feel like Android's I, – I just feel like the mechanism by which the software gets from Google – to my handset is so fundamentally flawed that that in the end is what's going to kill the uh, user experience for people and going to push people toward iOS. And you know something? Uh, every survey shows that iOS owners versus Android owners, mm -hmm. iOS owners are really far more likely to stay on that platform than Android owners. And uh, a significantly higher number of Android owners than iOS owners are saying in every poll that mm -hmm. when they have the opportunity, they're going to be switching platforms. Yeah, well, the, the problem is, though, that, uh, like I said before, once Apple gets bored with the iPhone, th then it's going to be trouble for all those people. Hopefully mm -hmm. they can maintain it, keep it in the... Uh, uh, I just can't see what they're going to go to. I just don't know if I buy this thing that they're going to focus on cloud services. I mean, without without focus on the hardware end of it, I just don't know where the consumption yeah. comes in. I mean, yeah, well, I, I still think they're going to have hardware. I think it's a, a part of the Apple philosophy is to create this this minim, minimalist uh, hardware idea that flies in the face of everybody else. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to give that up completely. But when it comes to innovation and everything that you need to make the amount of money that, that Apple makes, uh, it's not going to be in, in the device as much. It's going to be in new ways to control the uh, cloud experience. And they're going to make a lot of money off of that. And as soon as they start, as soon as the revenue stream is clearly being controlled by that, th then everything else drops off. It, like I said, with uh, right now, iPhones and iPads are the major money makers for Apple. All the other devices kind of fall to the wayside to a certain extent uh, because of that. And look at Microsoft. Microsoft is making less money now off of uh, of Windows than they have ever in their history. <coughs> and Office has started to drop down some. They're making money on non-traditional sources of income like the Xbox, uh, the uh, communication devices for the enterprise. Uh, it's not where they used to make money. Everything's shifting. The and cable the, services. The thing with Xbox is that platform was a black hole for them for many years. I oh, mean, right. they didn't they didn't make dollar one off of Xbox for a long, long time. And right about the time Xbox starts to really uh, get to the point for them 
where they're saying, okay, now we're really getting a return on our investment. That's going to be the time when they have to switch to the new Xbox. Right. And it's just going to all happen. I mean, on Look. the whole, Xbox is, I mean, with the exception of like the subscriptions to Xbox Live, that's where all the money is for Xbox. It's not in the games. It's not in the hardware. Right. Um, it's just these $60 and what? how much is it to subscribe to Xbox Live? Is it $90 uh, paid, a year? 60 I paid sixty four ninety nine for a year, and that came with a, a headset and keyboard for it. So, well, we have yeah. a lot of stories to plow through here, and it's already yeah, well, really twenty four. Go ahead, really quick. After our episode we did about uh, gaming systems, I went out and bought an Xbox three sixty with Connect, hmm. and uh, played it like crazy for a couple of weeks, and now I haven't touched it for over a week and a half. The Xbox in general, or the Connect, or the both? Xbox. The Connect is really cool, but. It's very niche right now as far as games. I, I still like the idea of what it could do in the future. It, it's really effective and uh, does an awesome job of detecting who you are. Uh, I'm really impressed by the technology. But when it comes to the games, just like with the Wii, once the novelty wears off of it, I went back to playing games with the controllers. Because hmm. uh, there's just not a lot of games for adults on the Kinect. Yeah, the Kinect looks to me like a glorified Wii not impressed. It, it is. It's cool, though. I mean, I, I, I give it, again, two thumbs up. But I'm more interested in the alternative uses for the hardware. Right, me too. Yeah, I mean, which is, and there, as I've mentioned previously, there are a lot of videos on YouTube that you can watch right. and see what developers have managed to do with that hardware. And some of it's really, really amazing. But then when you realize what the device was intended for, it's just a yawn fest. It just yeah. goes to show what happens when... Microsoft's products are used for the, the, the in the ways they were intended to be used. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in the wild versus in the uh, in the, the wild, wild development room. <laughs> okay, let's yeah, plow so, forward here. It's already yeah. almost nine thirty. Um, yeah, say so really, we've got uh, maybe two things to. to well, this over. speaking of precedents, this is a pretty nasty one. Uh, the UK may block Twitter and BlackBerry messaging services in future riots. That sounds really fun. Yeah, I, I want to bring this back to what we started the show with, with 911 being uh, connected to text, photo, and video. Uh, I think it's very interesting to see what the future becomes when your government decides how it's going to manage your technology for you. Uh, I understand the fear that they have of uh, social media helping uh, groups connect and uh organized better than they did in the past. But isn't that scary that the the United Kingdom is going to start blocking communication? Uh, people freaked out when uh, Syria and... Uh, what did I tell you? Yeah. When when this stuff with Syria and everybody was going down, or not, it's still going down in Syria, but uh, yeah. Libya Egypt. and Egypt and uh, Al, uh, what was it, Algeria. Mm -hmm. um, I said, okay, all these American politicians are sitting here w wagging their finger in the faces of these Arab politicians saying, how dare you do this to, to your people? It's an abridgment of human rights and la-di-di-di-da. Mm -hmm. This just goes to show you that whether it's a nation full of skinny brown people or a nation full of fat white people, it doesn't matter. A government will do what it needs to do to preserve itself. Yeah, exactly. and, and if it means cutting off communication over the Internet or going even further by shooting at people in the streets, They'll do it. If that's what's required yeah. to preserve power, governments will do what they do, and that is hold and secure power. Yeah, well, in, in the UK, I mean, the, these riots obviously have been terrible, but the police there have come out and admitted that they didn't handle it correctly. 
So the, the end result of not handling riots correctly is we're going to block a form of communication that the people use. Uh, it, it's just a very, very far overreaching and worries me. And it, it definitely could happen here. I have yeah, oh, I, I, that. Uh, I think uh, for the, uh, the the last maybe three presidents we've had uh, all have shown tendencies to go towards this. Uh, but uh, we've never had as – I don't want to go like way too political on this. I, I kind of hope you and Evelyn talk about this on the train wreck uh, in the course of uh, your, your conversations. But uh, I think that we, we have probably the most – insecure administration that we've ever had, at least in my lifetime, to where they love all this technology because it, it connects them and makes them feel good, but they wouldn't hesitate to yank it if it didn't work to their advantage. Right now, social media completely works for the, to the advantage in America of, of the president and his administration, but the moment it didn't, he'd be done with it. You know, Curtis, you've gotten too political and I don't like you anymore and I won't listen to this show any further. Good. Please, please, people call in since Michael's not going to be available and tell me how I'm right. Apple and major publishers face lawsuit over ebook price fixing. Yeah, we, you and I had talked about this uh, in the past uh, a little bit. Now it's it's finally getting to a point to where uh, it's a class action lawsuit where a group of people have uh, two people I think so far have come together and it, it'll end up being huge uh, if they win because anyone who bought an ebook under this new publishing model where the publisher set the pricing. Uh, anyone who bought a book during that time from uh, who all is a part of it, I know it's uh, Apple's a part of it uh, through iTunes and there's a couple other uh, groups, uh, online publishing groups uh, or websites where you can purchase uh, EPUBs. Uh, anyone who bought books from them will, will get a, a piece of this reward, which could be in the millions of dollars. But uh Basically, when Amazon was coming out with its uh, Kindle books and uh, setting up its ebook system, uh, publishers freaked out because they thought they were going to lose money in it. So uh, they all got together and set up uh, price fixing so that they could set the price and all the stores that would sell their books had to, to fit into their system. All the people who wanted to write a book had to fit into the system, which isn't the way it used to be run before. Publishers uh, tried to control it. But they weren't coordinated in their efforts, and they didn't uh, coordinate anything with the distribution channels. Uh, so pretty much it was a market system of uh, we'll pay this much for the book and uh, as far as the distribution channels and publishers work together on it. Well, now it's uh, top-down price control, and uh, I, I kind of hope that Apple loses this one. Because I want to see, like at Walmart and MP3s is a good example, I guess, of what I'm trying to say here. That when Walmart got involved in the MP3 business and dri drove the price down to 99 cents uh, or $1.99 at that point, I forget, everyone got upset about it saying uh, that's not right, blah, blah, blah. But the, consu the consumer was happy because they got cheap uh, music out of it and that forced everybody else to lower their price. Well, think about instead if all the uh, uh, record companies said, We'll give you MP3s uh, through Walmart's new system, but from this point forward, everybody has to pay eight ninety nine for every MP3, and we're forcing it. Uh, of course, everybody would freak out. Uh, that's what's happened in the ebook world through uh, the publishers and Apple being involved in it too, uh, and uh, the the consumer got screwed. It was all because of the fear of another Walmart like situation where the price is going to be uh, controlled by Amazon. That's basically. Well, um, 
My advice to everybody is to stop buying ebooks. I'm Michael Van Dieven. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> stop reading. <laughs> There's too much reading going on out there. Just stop mm-hmm. it. Less reading and more downloading this podcast. There needs Listen to be to less it. reading and more eating of Doritos. You know I think what? that's I, what this country needs to really get itself back on the right foot. You know, more really high salt, high corn that. content. Well, because like I said earlier, I'm gaining lots of weight. So, um, well, I think that's uh, I think that's it yeah, for our I, show. Um, it's been fun, and you know. As I've thought more and more about it, I think I am going to remove that call from the beginning of the show. Just because I don't... Well, first of all, if my audio is all distorted when I'm yelling and screaming at that guy, uh, I don't really necessarily want that on the downloaded podcast if it's really poor audio quality. Uh, I I don't know. I'll take a listen to it and see if my voice is all distorted on the recording. Uh, But... I don't know if it is. I, I, I'm not sure I'm necessarily going to leave that in there. Plus, there's going to be a lot of be- bleeping of the me using profanity. and uh. Well, I at least want to hear it, so you got to clip it out and put it on Coast Gab. Uh, yeah, I might do that. Cool. We'll see. All right, well, this is the Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton. I'm Michael Van Dieven, and, uh, well, nobody called, so I can't think any of you, with the exception of that douche at the beginning of the show. Yeah, r- really, right now, just just dial him up. I mean, you, you can stop the podcast here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Call him up again and ask him what he thought. You know, we're we're I, doing it. I do want to put this out there. From now on, anyone who calls this show and complains about what that guy complained about, I mean, I don't mind if you call up with legitimate critiques or if you disagree with something we said. But if anybody calls from now on and complains about what that guy complained about, I will give your phone number out on the air, and I will instruct people to prank call you for the next five hours. But uh, but, but do put the caveat to that that if they want to call in when the show is not being broadcast and say whatever they want to, we're cool with that. Yeah, that's when Maybe. you should do it. When the show's yeah. not on, you can call and leave a voicemail and. 99 times out of 100, your voicemail is probably going to get played on the air anyway. So I just, uh, yeah, just just keep that in mind from now on when you want to call and complain that the content of the stream has changed for a measly two hours out of a month. And you, yeah. can't, you can't swing that. Give that some thought next time before you call. Your phone number will be given to the audience henceforth. Uh well, that was a really downer way to end the show. That <laughs> <It> was great. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, again, the bumper music being provided to us by The Satellite 4. Visit their website at www.thesatellite4.com. That's the number for it. It's thesatellite4.com. Got a nice picture of them up there on the main page, too. Pretty sweet. I'll have to check that out, too. All right, Curtis. Have a good night. Hey, you, too. All right. We'll see you later. Good night, everybody. See you, everybody. This is The Spec Sheet.